Welcome to Hope. Housing opens possibilities everywhere. Habitat for Humanity of Newcastle County's new podcast for those who are interested in affordable housing in Delaware and how Habitat for Humanity works with local stakeholders to confront the affordable housing crisis and bring people together to build home, communities, and hope. Welcome to Hope. I'm your host, Kevin Smith, the CEO of Habitat for Humanity of Newcastle County. And joining me again today are Dennis Martin and Elijah Druitt. Dennis is the manager of our Middletown Restore, and Elijah is the manager of our Prices Corner Restore. We're going to be talking about different things about the Restore like we did on the first podcast about the Restores. So again, thanks very much to both of you for joining us. Again, by way of brief introduction, Dennis is the the manager down in Middletown. Dennis, how long have you worked for us and how long have you been the manager down at uh, Middletown? Hello, everybody. Kevin, I've been here. This is going on my sixth year. Very happy to be here. Love what we do down here in Middletown. And Elijah, how about you? How long have you been with Habitat and Restores? I'm about nine months in now. Excited to be here. Thank you both for being here on the podcast. I know every day is a busy day at the Restores. We have a lot going on between the customers, donation pickups, volunteers coming in to help. It's a different kind of operation for Habitat being in this retail space, but it's very exciting. You both get to interact with a lot of people from the public every day. Elijah, you were just telling us a little bit before the taping about kind of what it's like in the store, the atmosphere. Can you touch on that about the customers and the energy that's there? It's always high energy. The music definitely helps setting the tone here. We're usually playing about 70s, 80s, oldies, classic music, and the customers love it. You can often see customers in here dancing and singing. I mean, it's a regular to see customers in here dancing and singing to their favorite tunes. So it allows them to feel more comfortable as they're shopping, as they're sitting. You can find them talking with other customers. You can find them talking out loud to themselves, trying to figure out our tags and our price points and other customers just chiming in, explaining to them, oh, this is how it works. This is what the price tag means. This means this is the day it was tagged and it drops on the next date. Customers asking for support. A few days ago, we had a customer come in who purchased something and she wasn't able to get a truck to get the sofa for her son out of here. And there was two trucks in the parking lot. And she asked, do you mind if I ask customers if they would mind taking my sofa? And she walked around and found the customer that had the truck and he had absolutely no problem delivering her sofa for her. So that's the type of energy and atmosphere that we have here at Price's Corner. And that's unlike anything I've seen in my retail world previous to being here with Restore. So I heard you touch on two particular things that, Dennis, I'd like you to kind of touch on. One is our pricing policy, because I think it's particularly informative because we do get customers who want to haggle with us and how do we deal with that. The other is the fact that we do have these trucks, but we don't deliver. And if you could just talk about both of those kind of operational things for us, Dennis. Sure. With the pricing, we evaluate every item that comes in. You get a certain handle for what's a good price point, what for our market, for our clientele, what's fair. That's one of the things that we strive to be. We want to be fair pricing. Like I had previously said in the other podcast that we research everything and we try and figure out what's the, what's a price point. We're going to be below what's offered brand new, especially if it's something gently used. 
we want to be fair. So we'll look up things on eBay, see what it's sold for. And we try to be a little bit better than what's out there. We want to give people, like I said, fair value. With the trucks coming out, they do all of our pickups. I know in the past we had looked into delivery. What we found is for our costs, and, and again, our mission is to raise money for our mission of building homes. The numbers just didn't make sense. We found that with the insurance, with delivering to people's homes, what we would have to pay our drivers and everybody to deliver one item, the price points were kind of out of whack. It didn't make sense. What works for the customer is if they find their own U-Haul or their own friend with a pickup truck is really the best way for them to get their items home to their house. For us, it just didn't work with the delivery items. Although there are services out there that do deliver for a small fee. But for us, too, it was a matter of staffing. We have a lot of pickups coming in, and it's hard to manage the deliveries as well. So that's something that in Habitat for Humanity in Newcastle County, we just never were involved with the delivery aspect of that. Yeah, and you mentioned all the research to put on the initial price. And so a customer comes into the store, they're going to see a price tag on the item. They're also going to see when the price goes down, if I understand correctly. And so you're giving the customer a choice, right? Can they buy that item today for what the price is? Or if they don't think it's worth that, then they can wait. And on the date, it's going to go down. Elijah, can you talk to us about that pricing scheme and dealing with customers and efficacy of that? Absolutely. So the whole pricing process of having that decreasing pricing tag is an amazing thing. You don't get that at other stores. You don't know that in two weeks, the price is going to be lower. So when you come into a restore and you look at a tag, you see a three-drawer dresser and it's 70 bucks. And you know that 70 bucks, maybe you can't afford 70 bucks, but you love the dresser. And you know that in two weeks, you can come back and the dresser will now be about $55. That might be closer to your price point. So you just have to make sure that you be mindful of that date and you pop back in to see if that item is here. And what I encourage customers to do is even call so that you don't need to waste your time to drive down if the item is gone, if that, if that item is something that you really, really want to have. So just call the day before so that you know, yep, it's still here as of today, so that they know that they can plan to come down for it and pick it up. So you're really providing the customer with choice, right? You know, this is the price today. We talked about we don't haggle. I know that's a question we often deal with, right, Dennis? And that helps to kind of take away some of that. Okay, it's it's this price today. If you think it's going to move, somebody else might buy it for $70 in, in Elijah's example. Since we instituted that policy, Dennis, how do you think that has gone for working with customers? Kevin, the decreasing price tag, it works very well. People always want to haggle and they'll say, hey, well, it doesn't hurt to ask. And they'll say, what can you do for me? And can you lower the price? And I said, I can absolutely lower the price for you in two weeks. When you see on the price tag, it's going to drop a couple bucks. It makes it a lot easier for us too, because we want to be polite and we want to be kind and have a great interaction, but we also want to be fair. And when you can clearly see on the price tags, usually there's a couple dates on there. You'll see it drop down. It takes about five spots down there. It'll go from, say, two weeks. It'll start off at one price, say $100. It'll go to 80 60 40 We want to price it right so it doesn't sit on the floor very long. And folks, what they have to do is they kind of have to debate, do I take the gamble and wait two weeks for it to come down in price, or do they buy it now? 
oftentimes the price will be right and that item will have been gone. But it works very, very well. That's great. I want to shift gears a little bit. As we mentioned, the Price's Corner Store is coming up on its 10th anniversary. Our, actually, our restore operations are much older than that. They started here in our headquarters in Wilmington about 15 years ago. We then moved out to Cornell Business Park. We're out operational there for about three and a half years before we moved to Price's Corner. And then a little over five years ago, we made the decision to open up a second store down there in Middletown. Now, Middletown's one of the major growth areas in Delaware. We saw this as a major opportunity. So we went in big in the Middletown Shopping Center, and we had some challenges early on. But thanks to the leadership of Dennis and his team and some decisions we've made about the size of the store, we're now making a profit down there. Dennis, can you talk to us about kind of what does a successful day look like for you all? What kind of sales make for a successful day down in the Middletown store? So for us down in Middletown, we have our sales goals. For us, the numbers-wise, we want to do about $1,500 a day in sales. Our numbers, we try to make, our goal is going to be about 380000 in sales for the year. It's critical that we stay on point. And the best way for us to do that is by getting a good influx of items. Kind of the magic formula for us is good quality items to sell will generate great sales. And that's the trick. And that's where we really are counting on our podcast listeners to make some donations for us. When you have an item that maybe has served its purpose for you, don't throw it out. Give it to us. That money goes towards building homes. For us, a good day is, like I said, about $1,500 a day in sales, and we hustle for that. That's a lot of $15 lamps. That's a lot of $25 end tables. Price's Corner is a, is a bigger store. It's about four times bigger, so you can kind of extrapolate that, and they have to do about four times what we do. But it's critical because a number that I really am proud of is that 90 cents of every dollar that is spent in our stores goes towards building homes. That's a powerful number, and we're very proud of that. Mm-hmm. Excellent. You made another point there that I want to touch on to make sure people don't miss, and that is quality. So just about once a year in my neighborhood, there'll be a yard sale, and my wife and I will put stuff out and stuff we're ready to get rid of. And oftentimes at the end of the yard sale, there'll be stuff that we don't want to have come back in our house. So we'll take it to another thrift store. And so they have to sift through what they're going to be able to make some money off of. We don't want to take poor quality items. Let's just put it that way, right? We want the stuff that's going to help us make the most money to go back to our construction operations. Elijah, can you talk about the challenge of the fact that we want donations, but we also sometimes have to turn donations away too if they're not in good enough quality or maybe even if they're of an item that we already have too much of. Can you talk about that dynamic that the store personnel, the drivers have to deal with day in and day out? Yes. And those are both very common things to deal with. We just had to say no thank you because we like to have our yes pleases and our no thank yous. And we had to say no thank you to a donor this Saturday who had a bedroom set. It looked like it was gorgeous. We were going to take it. And once we got started to get unloaded, we realized that the bottom of the dresser looked like it was dusty. We wiped it off. And as we were 
looking at it and still discussing it, started to turn a little gray again. And what we realized is it wasn't dust at all. It was mold. So there was mold all over the bottom of this dresser and as well as the bottom of the bed. And we had to politely say, unfortunately, we can't take this. This becomes, you know, a health risk. And the donor was saying he understood, but also was asking, you know, well, don't you guys use like mold remover and stuff like that? And I expressed him, we get donations that are supposed to already have been wiped down. And so what we do is we just do a wipe down and we do a treatment on cloth donations, but we don't do any type of mold or anything like that. So we had to turn that away. And oftentimes we'll get customers that want to donate beds. And at this point, we're overrun with headboard and footboards that we're only taking beds that are complete. So if it doesn't have side rails, then we have to say no thank you to that. And some customers don't understand that. They don't understand why we are saying no when their goal is to help us raise the funds. But if we're overrun with headboards that are not selling, then we're going to just take up space from something else that could possibly sell. So, yeah, it's very important. And so the best solution probably, and, and correct me if I'm wrong, is for them to call the store first to vet it with Holly or send pictures. And then we can make sure either in the pickup or if they're going to drop off that that's been properly screened so they know, correct? Absolutely. And I always suggest, hey, if you're going to drop by, drop by with some photos so that we can make sure that we'll be able to take that item for you because we don't want to turn you away once you get here. Or shoot us an email. You can shoot emails to our donation coordinator. You can shoot emails to me. I don't mind taking a look at an email as well. I had a donor yesterday. I did a home visit because the donor's parent had died and the donor didn't live in the state any longer. And They wanted to do some things quickly. So I said, sure, I have no problem swinging by and tagging some items so that when my drivers do come out, they already know that these items have been okayed to be picked up from us. So there's lots of situations that we can do to make sure that we get quality donations. So Dennis, you mentioned the time that you worked for this down at Price's Corner, but now at Middletown, any stories about donations that were just wowed that you were amazed at, either in volume or price tag, something really valuable came in, any kind of thing that comes off in your mind that you've seen come through the stores? Oh my gosh, Kevin. Yeah, my my tales of donations. I always joke that I should write a book because there's so many amazing donations. It's a great way to meet people, but also to get some incredible items. I remember when I was at Price's Corner, a lady who was a customer of ours, and I got to know in the store, and she called me up one day and she said, hey, I would like to donate my dining room set. And I said, oh, that's amazing. She said, but I want you personally to come out. And she said, I don't want to tell you what it cost, but it was very valuable. So me and another driver went out to pick it up, and her husband said, well, she doesn't want to tell you how much it costs. I'll tell you what it costs. And it was an exorbitant amount of money for this custom-made dining room set that was gorgeous, absolutely gorgeous. It was north of $25,000. And then we brought it back, and we were evaluating the pieces. And what was kind of nice about it was that we had a customer within about an hour or so. We put a big number on I think it was $8,000. And figuring for our customers, that's a huge number. And within an hour, a lady came up to me and she said, all the tags that were in her hand. And she said, do you know who donated this? And I said, yes, I do. And she said, would you tell her that I'm buying all of these pieces and I'm going to keep them in my home and I'm going to love them just like she did. So that was a great example 
of someone who had a beautiful dining room set for 25 years, loved it with her family, donated it to the store because she knew the work that we did. And another customer saw the value in it and said, I'm going to send her a personal note to thank her and please express to her how much I'm going to love this. and I'm going to share this with my own family. That's a great story. Thank you for sharing that. The other thing we haven't touched on the fact is we get donations, not just from households, people donating from their homes, but we also get commercial donations. Many times builders or suppliers, their warehouse gets filled up and they need more space. They'll just come by. We have some great ongoing donors who make regular donations. So we get brand new material into the stores. So people need to know if if it's not just for their household, but if they're doing projects around their home, they're hiring a subcontractor to come check us out first. We have new windows, sometimes new doors, other things. Elijah, we kind of touched on a lot of what we get into the store. Can you just say right now, what's something in the store that people wouldn't know we would normally have in there off the top of your mind? Anything that's kind of maybe out of left field or just unique we would have in the store they should come by and check out? We had a kayak, which was I think was unique. A $5,000 kayak that we had in the store that it sat for a couple of weeks because people who wanted it had no need for it or no place to put it, but it's now sold. We get unique things often. We get those one-offs. We get guitars. We've had two or three custom guitars that have come and gone really quickly. Are you going to let me know? My daughter plays guitar, Elijah. You're going to let me know when something like that comes in. Right now, we have one of those old phonographs from like the 20s. It's a remake, but we have one of those right now. We've had two or three at this point of those spindles from those Cinderella tales. So customers get kicks out of those and they buy those. So there's often some unique things. We actually had an old, probably from 1920s, Zenith radio that didn't work. It needed bulbs. So if you knew about bulbs, you could get it to work. But I sold it to a guy telling him that it would be great because the inside opened, the bottom opened, and the back cover was already off. I said, you know, this could be a great cognac or brandy bar. And when I said it to him, I said, yeah, if you open it, you just put a shelf in there and you could just sit your fancy cognacs there. And he thought that was so cool that he purchased it. So sometimes it just takes talking to the customers and letting them know how they can repurpose something. So that's one of the amazing things that I think that we do well here at Habitat Restore as a whole is that customers can come in here and repurpose stuff. So they can take a door and turn it into a coffee table. It doesn't have to be used for what the intended purpose is. So it takes a little bit of creativity. Yeah, that's an interesting point. Dennis, is there anything else you think people should know about the restores we haven't touched on in the previous episode or this one? One of the things I always tell people is that the world can be a crazy place. And there's so many things that are kind of upsetting in the news today. One of the things I want them to know about the Restore is it's such a source of goodness and kindness and community effort. When things seem kind of out of whack and you want to help somebody, you want to do something, you want to reach out to your community, you want to have a positive impact, come to these Restores. Volunteer here. Shop here. Donate here. We are affecting real change in our communities, in our neighborhoods. We are helping people, your neighbors, your coworkers, people you pass by. We are having real positive change 
We do powerful work, and it's good work. That's something that I think people should really understand. There's great, tremendous value. There's quality items. There's good, kind-hearted people that work with us. And we're doing good things for the community. It's a powerful organization to be part of. I just want to really impress upon people about the kindness and the good neighbor values that we share. It's a wonderful place to work, to be a part of. And I hope more and more people can come in and experience the ReStore and experience Habitat for Humanity of Newcastle County. So you're saying we've talked about shop, donate, volunteer, all so that we can build homes, community, and hope. Elijah, can you share with us the different social media places that we can be found? I know you're very involved in in our social media work. Uh, Where can they find us in social media? They can find us on Facebook at Habitat Restores of Newcastle County. They can find us on Instagram, Restore Prices Corner, Restore Middletown, and they can also find us on TikTok now as well. We've just started a TikTok. On TikTok, look out. Yeah, so, I mean, if you're looking to connect with us, those are ways to do it. You can always find our newest items are being posted. Whatever is going on in the store is being posted. So you can stay up to date on those social media platforms. And Dennis, what are our store hours and days that we're open? So Tuesday through Saturday, 10 to 5. Come on down, Prices Corner and Middletown. Happy to see you. Gentlemen, thank you so much for being on this episode of Hope, where housing opens possibilities everywhere. We're hearing firsthand how the restores are opening possibilities for housing. So join us on the 15th of every month for a new episode and how we're working to build homes, community, and hope here in Newcastle County, Delaware. If you're interested in learning more about Habitat Newcastle County, please visit us on our website at www.habitatncc.org, or that's where you can also find the restores or to donate. Thank you very much.